As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I love the Raiders, and... Most of all, I love to win. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of State of the Nation is Visa, a network working for everyone. I'm Jimmy Dirk, and we've got Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, Ted Wynn, as the 2-0 Las Vegas Raiders are getting set to take on the Miami Dolphins on Sunday in Vegas. The Dolphins, who will be coming to Vegas without starting quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. It'll be Jacoby Brissett getting the start against the Raiders. At this point, we don't know if the Raiders will have uh, Josh Jacob, but it seems to be trending against uh, him being able to play. Uh, I know John Gruden on Monday termed him very questionable, but uh, the Raiders' own quarterback, Derek Carr, dealing with an ankle injury himself that led to an MRI, but full participant in practice, he's going to play. But uh, the Raiders going up against Jacoby Brissett and a Dolphins offense that is fresh off a shutout. He threw 40 passes against the Buffalo Bills on Sunday for only 169 yards. Uh, this has not been a, a very prolific Miami offense so far this year. So, yeah, they've basically been the, the worst offensive team in the league, according to all the statistics. Um, but it really starts up front with their offensive line. I mean, the unit has been pretty terrible. And a big reason why Tua got hurt and then, you know, Jacoby Brissett, why he you know, struggled. I'm sure you know, he had his own reason for struggling as well. But the, the blocking up front has been, you know, terrible, both, you know, run blocking and pass blocking. And so, you know, especially considering the way the Raiders pass rushes look so far, you know, you, you would think it would be a, a big day for them. And when's the last time we looked at a matchup and said, oh, man, the Raiders defense is going to eat. Like, I, I can't remember <laughs> that ever happening in my life. Like, that's the reason why I got to pick him to win the game, because the defense has been so good. It's a good matchup. Um, Jacoby Brissett holds the ball longer than any other quarterback. He is, I know he had some weird speech about how he's not really a backup, he's a starter, but. I mean, that's a weird timing after a 35-0 loss to make that speech. But, uh, I mean, it's a good matchup for the Raiders uh, coming back home, fired up to be, you know, 3-0 for the first time since 2002. Everything was looking rosy for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. 
the stat came out. He he holds onto the ball for at least two point nine or an, on average two point nine seconds, which is the fifth longest in the NFL from the last five seasons. So the Dolphins offensive line is one of the worst in the league. You know you got to imagine the Raiders' crazy pressure rate that they had the last two games continue into this game. They, they should be able to get some sacks on Brissett, and, and I think this is going to be a um, a defensive game. Carr's been playing great, and and um, the offense has been doing well without any running game getting a ton of pressure but you know I think the Dolphins defensive backs are going to be able to kind of corral the Raiders receivers and pressure Carr a little bit because they they also have a really blitz heavy scheme so I can see this being a, a pretty tight defensive game yeah I mean you look at just the, the raw numbers for the the Dolphins and again we're two games in they just got shut out so obviously that's going to skew any kind of team stats but uh, through two games they are 30th in total offense 27th in rushing offense 30th in passing offense 31st in points per game obviously just 8.5 when you throw in that shutout they've been uh you know inefficient in the red zone inefficient on fourth down they've been okay on third down but um especially going to a backup quarterback i mean like you said vic uh, a rare opportunity for a defense that i mean We've been really impressed with them through the first two games. And I know against the Steelers, that was not a same kind of Steelers offense we've seen over the last few years. But really impressed with what they were able to do against the Ravens. Now against a team that they should theoretically uh, you know, be able to beat up on a little bit. I mean, uh, the skeptical Raider fans are probably out there just waiting for the other shoe to drop in this one. But uh, I mean, if you just look at it objectively, I mean, this should be a, a, a really good opportunity for them. Yeah, my two big questions coming in were the run defense and the depth. And both have been good so far. I was, I've been wrong. So I think uh, the Dolphins don't pose a big threat because they're running the ball. And Miles Gaston's a good, good player, but I'm not sure he's a guy that can turn a game over for you and change the way the game's going to go. So... Uh, defense has to stay true to what it's doing, you know, pursuit, communication, uh, good tackling. They're tackling really well, especially the rookie, Nate Hobbs. So, been very impressive with uh, their start so far, and there's no reason why it shouldn't continue on Sunday. Yeah, I think the only, you know, kind of concern maybe with the Dolphins' offense is, you know, they have a, a pretty talented receiver core with, with Jalen Waddle and, and Will Fuller. I think he's expected to play this week, and then Devontae Parker. You know, even though the Steelers, you know, they, they played pretty well as a defense against them, they did give up a couple of those long chunk pass plays, and, and those guys are, are pretty viable deep threats. And so, you know, while, you know, if they can't block and, and Brissett can't throw, uh, it won't, won't matter too much. But, you know, there is some opportunity for the Dolphins to have some some big plays down the field. And so that'd be like the one thing that, that maybe is a concern for the defense. The other thing I look at when I look at the numbers that I say look at as, as a good opportunity for the Raiders to get, to get healthy in a, in a category they haven't, you know, they haven't run the ball really well this year. And the Dolphins, through two games, they're 28th in the league, giving up 134 yards per game. Again, we're talking about two games worth of stats, so that's uh, that's not enough to, to gain a whole lot of information. But uh, Kenyon Drake, he's going up against his former team, um, the team he broke into the league with. This is an opportunity for him to, uh, to kind of show the Dolphins what they don't have anymore um, if, in fact, Josh Jacobs isn't able to play. Uh, if they could get that ground game going, I mean, Ted, I know – Going back and watching Kenyon Drake and his opportunities, he's been great as a receiver. His opportunities running the ball, he hasn't looked very good. But it would be a pretty big thing for this Raiders offense if they can get that ground game going. Incognito didn't practice yesterday, but if he plays, he's going to be a huge boost for this run game. But I mean, the the good news is that this offensive line is getting a little bit more experience together, and you need to have some cohesiveness to get some um, the ground game going. Just you know. Their combo blocks are a little off. They don't know when to help and when to let to release a second level. And when they do create a hole, Kenyon Drake just hasn't not been that good of an inside runner. There's just times where he'll keep trying to push the run outside when he should cut the run 
up inside. I mean, he, he missed a huge hole against the Steelers in the second quarter of that game. So, you know, the Raiders are really missing Josh Jacobs as an inside runner. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if they have enough to take advantage of a bad Dolphins run game unless Incognito plays and, you know, maybe Josh Jacobs could get some reps in. Yeah, I think, you know, one way that they've kind of countered not having a run game is, is the quick passing game, even though Derek Carr has been more aggressive this year, as Ted wrote about earlier this week. Um, he still is. He's up there. You know, I think he's 10th or 11th in passes that have traveled only five air yards or fewer. So they're kind of using that kind of, you know, the quick dump offs, the you know, things that people, you know, have criticized his offense for in the past, but it's really kind of acting as their, their run game right now. You, you know, I think they're averaging maybe like, you know, five or six yards on those plays, but that's better than the rushing game right now. I think they're having like 2.9 yards per carry. And so if it does turn out that they can't run again against the Dolphins, I'm sure we'll see them kind of resort to that again as a way to kind of, you know, break it up a little bit. Uh, I mean, in terms of the Raiders offense right now, number one in the league in passing offense, number one in the league in total offense, Derek Carr leads the league in passing yards. They, they've got, I think, four receivers that are on you know, averaging over 60 yards a game uh, on thousand yard paces, uh, which obviously that's probably not going to hold up. But when you look at what Carr's done through two games, we know that he had, I mean, he's done all this statistically with having a, a terrible first half really against the Ravens. I mean, he came out and I mean, you know, we, we were all kind of looking at each other, shaking our heads. The way he turned it around really in that second half and then carried that over into Pittsburgh, Ted wrote about it. He, he believe he's playing his best football right now. You know, the, the reputation for Carr is just that he needs help. He needs a great offensive line. He needs weapons. He needs a running game. But right now, he doesn't have an offensive line. He has zero running game like we talked about. And teams know that he has to pass. Teams are able to pressure him with the banged-up offensive line. But he's still, you know, holding on to the ball, being aggressive. And he, he did that even after getting his ankle nicked up against the Steelers. So he, he's just playing some really impressive football right now. He's making it a point to push the ball downfield. His air yards uh, average is it's really high right now. I think it's top five, if not uh, number one in the league. Yeah, right now he's carrying his offense. And um, I think this week they'll need him to carry the offense again. I just don't know if they have enough to really get the running game going. But this type of play, I think, is unsustainable for the entire season. You don't want Carr passing this much and taking this many hits uh, throughout the season. But... I think this week you're going to have to ask Carr to have one more really high attempts type of game. I think what you're seeing is that, you know, Derek and, and John Gruden are totally in sync. I think they definitely know the other one's thinking. They anticipate what play they want to call next. And Derek's can call all about the line of scrimmage, can change one or pass play. Uh, he definitely has a world of confidence in both Waller and Renfro. You see the confidence growing in Ruggs and Edwards. So that's four serious weapons he has now in the passing game. So. Uh, there's no reason why this can't continue. I mean, obviously the numbers won't be as big as they are his first two weeks, but I think he's in a good spot right now mentally and, and physically. And he even ran for two first downs last game. That's been a goal of Gruden's for him to get two first downs running a game. So uh, right now he's checking all the boxes. I think the Raiders definitely uh, are loving it so far. When I say unsustainable, I don't, I don't mean that his his high-level play is unsustainable. I just think that you, you don't want to pass this many times every single game. Ted, are you prepared to uh, re uh, reevaluate your uh, your thoughts on uh, the Derek Carr quarterback sneak? He had some easy quarterback sneaks against the Steelers. That it that oh oh they, they're they, easy they now. left that those gaps wide open. They did not think he was going to sneak the ball. So so we'll see if they have like two defensive tackles, you know, up in a gap, and he pushes through. Then you know, I apologize. Carr's getting better at everything, even including quarterback sneaks. 
You know, in terms of uh, Henry Ruggs, obviously had a, had a really nice game against the Steelers, the big touchdown. You know, we talked uh, on the postgame show about that other intermediate route where he was able to break a tackle. And I know saw some people really talking about how impressed they were with that play. This is a good opportunity for him to, to kind of build momentum, you know, going. It would have been fun if it had kind of even been a little bit more of an Alabama reunion with, uh, with Tua there. But, you know, a chance for him to, I mean, if he can start stacking together big games like that and where he's able to produce, you know, not just one big chunk play, but have some a few chunk plays in that game. I, I think you could really start to see him become a huge part of this offense. Yeah, and I think the nature of the Dolphins' defense kind of sets it up for there to be some opportunities there for him. I mean, they, they play, I believe, the most man coverage in the league right now, and I think they blitz at the, the second highest rate. And so you have a guy that has a speed like Ruggs out there on the outside. You know, obviously he has to still win the matchup, but you, you would think he's going to have a good amount of one-on-one situations this week. And so... You know, those, those big play opportunities should be there. And Carr, you know, as we've seen, he hasn't been hesitant to push the ball down the field this year. But I think also, you know, as we talked about a little bit you know, after the game is, you know, the big progression for him is, is getting more involved, kind of the shorter and, and intermediate stuff. Um, and and sort, of, sort of not just being a guy that, you know, just dial up when you want a shot, but somebody that's kind of involved in the overall game plan. And so, you know, like you said, we'll see if that, that continues moving forward. But you would think with this week, I mean, I'm sure it'd be challenging. You know, something that we saw him struggle with last week was kind of beating, you know, press man off the line of scrimmage. And so it should be a good kind of barometer test to see, you know, how he's improved in that area. Plus, it should go back and forth. Like you mentioned, like Waller opening things up for Ruggs last week. The safety looked off in that one big play. And Ruggs should also open things up for Waller. I mean, the coach mentioned that last year. I thought it was a little bit of a cop-out last year. Like, you know, Ruggs didn't have a good year, but other guys made you know, plays because he was causing a distraction. But... I mean, uh, you look at just his raw speed. Besides all the other skills, he's getting better at. But like, I just saw a thing from Zebra Technologies. He was a uh, twenty-one point four miles per hour on that catch, which is his fastest speed of his career. That sounds really fast. Twenty-one point four miles an hour. I mean, I'm not sure what I would get up to, but probably not that fast. Probably a little less. But um, just his, you know, top end speed is you know is uh, unique, and I think that's definitely a big part of this Raiders offense going forward. Yeah, I mean, it is what's fun about when you look at the Raiders receiving core is that the top four guys, and I include Waller in there, uh, yeah, I mean, Ruggs, Renfro, Edwards, Waller, I mean, they all do different things, and they complement each other really well. I mean, you got a really good slot guy in Renfro. You've got Waller who can basically do anything. Ruggs can take the top off, and uh, and Edwards can be a physical receiver. Yeah, after that first week, I know John Gruden said he wanted to get Zay Jones more involved, but it's hard. I mean, those, those top four guys are really good, and they're all getting better, and like you mentioned, it's so much of his, with Carr and his confidence and just being like he has it now with all four of those guys. So it's Isaiah Jones probably deserves more reps, but it's hard to get in, in, in this group. At this point, you want to be invested in Edwards and do you want to take Edwards off the field, who is the guy who needs to be a big part of your future and to get Jones out there? Yeah, the other thing is with that is like, I mean, they, they use so much heavy personnel with multiple backs and multiple tight ends that, you know, a lot of times they have two or fewer actual receivers on the field. Obviously, Waller is sort of a receiver as well. And so um, those numbers are a little skewed, but they don't really, you know, use receivers as much as some other teams do. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, in terms of the defense, uh, you know, we've talked about Max Crosby a lot because, I mean, he's playing at the highest level he's played at. Um, you know, another week with a ton of pressures and didn't have any sacks against the Steelers. But as we know, like that was always the big thing, I think, that we look, looked at. Is as bad as the Raiders' sack numbers would be, like they also weren't pressuring the quarterback and, and affecting him. And, and a lot of times, a pressure can be, you know, can be better. I mean, if you got sack a guy for five yards, okay, that's good. But if you can force a guy to throw a bad pass that you pick off, that's even better. And so, I mean, what Crosby's doing right now, I mean, he's looking like a Pro Bowl type defensive end. And if he can keep this up, I mean, it, it's just going to give the Raiders just so much more firepower on that defense. He had good numbers the first two years. Obviously, he had some injuries last year. But I think that was also, you look at those numbers, and that was without much help from the other side of the line. I mean, he, didn't, he was definitely getting more of the focus from from, uh, from offense. So now having a Gakwe there, they obviously formed his chemistry, and they're definitely kind of feeding off each other. But definitely, you can see Max really making plays. Uh, has more room to operate. And also, I think both those guys, uh, back to the run defense I mentioned earlier, both those guys wanted to prove they can play against the run. They're not just, you know, pass rusher guy. They're three down guys. And so far, so good. They definitely have shown they can handle it. And it'll uh, be a big deal for the Raiders going forward. Yeah, I mean, Crosby leads the league in uh, QB pressures with 16 right now. And it, it just... He just looks so impressive on film because he just um, he put together a whole repertoire and he's setting up moves. He, he has a pass rush plan now. And, you know, he just has so many complimentary moves. So if you try to take away one thing, he goes to the, to the other thing. And he does a good job of recognizing pass sets and what moves to use. So he, he's been impressive. And he, he really looks like, you know, I, I didn't think he would be an elite rusher. I thought he would be a very good kind of complimentary rusher. But right now he, he looks like he can be that elite number one type of rusher. I, w- I want to see him go against some uh, better tackles, but so far what he's doing is just really, really impressive. Yeah, and it's only been two weeks so far, but I mean, he's been the, I would say the best player on the defense, you know, and kind of leading this resurgence that they had under, under Gus Bradley so far. And so, you know, I think, you know, as Vic said, you know, him trying to taking that step as a run defender and becoming an every down player. I mean, he has more snaps than any defensive lineman on the roster right now. I'm sure, you know, the Ngakwe injury factors into that a little bit, but He's, he's kind of been leading the charge to this point. Got to be a weird place right now for Raiders fans because they're starting to gain some respect, right? Uh, we've got them at number nine in our power rankings. It's the top 10 football team. And I mean, it's early. <laughs> you know, uh, I know John Gruden kind of dismissed any of the 2-0 talk because they were 2-0 last year. And he's right. But uh, it's been an impressive 2-0. And they're going to start you know, earning their respect if they can keep playing like that. Yeah, and I mean, I think a lot of people are looking at this Dolphins game like a trap game, you know, even though they are going against Jacoby Brissett, and we talked about all the numbers, but the Dolphins do have a pretty good secondary, and um, 
what do you guys think about this you know trap game sort of uh narrative that is you know going around raider nation yeah i get the like you know skepticism just because i mean they, they collapsed the last two seasons especially at the end of last season you know some of those games like getting washed by the falcons you know and almost losing to the winless jets and stuff like that so like i understand i mean just you know a lot of the, the same guys are back but you know you would hope that guys learn from those, those sort of experiences and, and you know don't overlook opponents or, or take opponents lightly you know no matter what injuries are going on on the other side and so you know I, I can't really be mad at fans for being like you know you know i believe it when i see it when it comes to that department i think it's a tough game i think the dolphins obviously beat them last year i think they obviously before this year picked to be a better team so there's definitely talent in that roster i know the quarterback thing is a mess right now but it's definitely a tough game for a team raiders team that's still kind of a Finding his footing, obviously, they have off a great start, but can they sustain it? Can they be this, you know, top defense week after week? And can Derek Carr keep playing at this level? I mean, he fumbled twice last week, and uh, hopefully it wasn't a sign of things coming back for him. It's been a problem for him and something he worked on in the offseason. But um, I think it's a tough game. I, the trap game is a weird thing because, like we said, this team beat the Raiders last year. So it should be a tough game. I, I agree with Ted earlier. It's going to be a defensive battle, I think. Um, I think it'll be close. You know, one thing I want to ask you guys is, on Wednesday, when it was announced that Tua was going to be out, he's, I think they originally thought it was bruised ribs, and it became that there actually are some fractured ribs. Uh, the immediate reaction I saw was Raiders fans saying that they would rather face Tua than Brissett. And I think we saw in that game last year where when Tua was in there and starting, you didn't really have a, a ton of fear in that Dolphins defense, or in that Dolphins offense. And once they went to Fitzmagic there, um, you got a little more concerned. You knew that that, that made them a, a more dangerous offense. So, you know, it's Brissett, it's not Fitz, uh, but what, what are our thoughts there? I mean, are, would you feel better about this game if Tua was starting? I mean, like, Tua hasn't been lighting the world on fire, but I would probably still think he's a better quarterback than Brissett. Like I said earlier, I mean, threw 40 passes last week and still had under 200 yards somehow and holds onto the ball a lot and apparently thinks he's a starter, but, like, you know, neither one, like I said, neither one of them are like great quarterbacks or anything like that. But I, I do think Tua is, is is better at this point. Tua's more athletic and he has a quicker release. Brissett takes a long time to make decisions and he holds onto the ball. So I, I'd rather see Brissett and have this pass rush get to him. I think Tua, you know, might be able to slip away. And uh, with that release, he might be able to get the ball downfield to some of those really fast receivers. You know, it might not happen every drive, but it all it takes is, a, you know, one or two plays. And I think Brissett just doesn't offer that that quickness and that ability to get rid of the ball. He's a tastier bait for the Raiders' pass rush, I think. <laughs> yeah, the doubt on Tua is understandable. He hasn't played very well the last couple of years, but there's still a ceiling there. There's definitely, you think there's more room for growth, the athletic ability, you know, the, the winning history of it. There's no real ceiling. I mean, I hate to say that about Tua Brissett, but he's pretty much, he is what he is. He's not going to get a lot better you know, this week than he was last week. Obviously, he's a veteran guy, experienced, but his shortcomings, which we've talked about, aren't going to go away. He's not going to, like, come out Sunday and just, like, you know, start throwing the ball around quickly and, and you know, making plays with his feet. So I think you kind of, uh, if you're a defense, you're praying for this because Bradley can, can say, hey, this is what he can do. He can't do this. Don't worry about that. Where with two other still some, like, maybe he can do this. Maybe it's possible for me to do this, but I think there's a lot more known with Jacoby Brissett, and that's why it's a better matchup for the for the Raiders. Ted, what's your long-term view of, of Tua? I mean, is, is he a guy that, give him another year or two, that he can develop into, a, you know, an above-average starting quarterback? Yeah, I think he could be above average. I thought his physical skill sets would be a little bit better 
coming to the NFL. When you watch him in the NFL, he just doesn't look like a guy who with a super strong arm. He, he hasn't taken as many downfield throws as he, he, he did in Alabama. So I think he's just a little limited. But I, I, I do think that with that quick release and, you know, just kind of that it factor when it comes to being able to win games, he, he can be an above average quarterback. I just don't know if he'll, he'll ever be that elite quarterback you want picked in the top 10. Yeah, what uh, what could haunt them is that they uh, they could have had Justin Herbert and they went with Tua, so uh, we'll see. All right, let's take some questions here. We'll start with this one from Jeffrey H. Uh, with Corey Littleton shifting his contract around, uh, he just did a restructure earlier this week. Do you expect some moves soon? If so, what positions would you expect them to add? Obviously, they've been dealing with the injuries and have had to kind of create room for some in-season roster moves. Uh, is that, do you think that's just kind of having having some space available, or do you think there's anything uh, in the works? I'm not sure. I think maybe you look at, maybe, like you said, creating space. You have to address the O-line at some point, I mean, which is supposed to be back week one. Now we're at week three, hasn't practiced yet, so I wonder what's going on there. That's going to be a lingering issue, and then counting him to come back at some point soon. So that seems to be the one area on the roster that definitely could be used some beefing up, you know, is the O-line. It's also weird that John Brown hasn't signed yet, so that's like $2 million dollars. They're going to hook for it. If he didn't sign somewhere else, then all of a sudden that became like a, a $3.2 million hit when they cut him. So I thought he signed by now because usually you wait after week one, so salaries aren't guaranteed. But uh, he's still out there, which to me is a little interesting. And I think the Raiders, you know, they got $2 million on the line, so I'm sure they're definitely looking at that. Like, hey, John Brown's great. Come on, guys. You know, we, we're so deep we couldn't use him. You guys can use him. Come on. Somebody like, make some calls and start talking about John Brown. But uh, I don't see any big moves coming up. And, I mean, it's not really a lot of options. For big moves at this point. I mean, there's not any players out there who are like, you know, I mean, you could go sign Todd Gurley. I mean, I don't know what that's going to do. But, uh, yeah, so I think it's just kind of uh, getting ready in case you need some space going, going forward. All right. I'm going to combine two questions here from Graham B. and Greg L. Kind of similar, uh, but do you think the Raiders will sign another offensive lineman? I am getting the sense the incognito injury is more serious than we initially thought. Greg says, it feels like Richie isn't coming back. Do you think the current OL configuration we have is what we are working with this season, barring any further injuries? Yeah, with incognito, I mean, it's a calf injury. We, there's always that fear, you know, if it's something with a calf that it could be related to the Achilles. Is anybody getting a sense that this is, you know, more serious than they thought, that it, that it could linger on for a while? Yeah, I mean, it's already more serious than they thought because, you know, when it, when it kind of happened, Gruden was, you know, kind of pretty sure that he'd be back for week one. And, you know, like I said, it looked like he's going to miss his, his third straight game. Um, you know, we were there at the joint practices where, you know, he got hurt against the Rams and I was on the offensive sideline and uh, he was not looking good when he was, he was walking off the field and, you know, the trans working on him on the side and he seemed pretty frustrated. And I believe it was the same uh, side that he, he hurt last year, um, kind of with his Achilles injury. And I know they said it's not related to the Achilles is what they said. It's just calf, but you know, he's 38 years old. He has a lot of mileage on his body. And so, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if, you know, incognito is, you know, out for most of it, not all of the season at this point. But um, I, don't, I don't know how many good offensive linemen are just sitting on the streets at this point in the season. I mean, they already, you know, added Jordan Simmons, who I think started a few games last year for the Seahawks and Illuminor, you know, he, he started a couple games for them already. And so they didn't obviously count on Denzel Good going down as well in week one with a torn ACL. He was kind of their safety valve there at that guard spot. Um, and so it's kind of accelerated the timeline for, for John Simpson, you know, kind of this offseason, they hoped he would be ready to start anyway um, this season. But throughout training camp, you know, they, they, they felt more comfortable leaning you know, on those two veterans and incognito and good. And so um, I guess it just kind of like gives them an earlier look at, at Simpson. And, and if he's that guy that they thought they were getting last year when they drafted him. 
Plus, we got to give our guy Illuminor some love, man. It's two weeks in a row now. I didn't notice him last week. I mean, they're going against a pretty good defensive front. I don't think they had any penalties and any really bad plays that stood out. So, been very solid for a guy who signed, you know, off the street. And I think that just shows you kind of uh, the NFL. They got some hidden treasures. You, know, you never know what you can get. But he stepped up. He looks comfortable. He can be fine for a couple more weeks. Again, with Richie, we have no idea. It's like, as you know, a 39-year-old calf. That calf's been through a lot of wars. So, I'm not sure you can really guess when he'll bounce back and be 100% again. But uh, if there's still hope, and I mean, maybe we'll get an update tomorrow or Friday from John. But um, at this point, definitely it's been longer than, than they thought. You don't forget about Jackson Barton. They uh, they plucked him off the uh, New York Giants practice squad uh, offensive tackle. Um, but it, it's funny when you start worrying about offensive line depth, you look at what the Ravens just did. I mean, they just signed Jared Jones-Smith and David Sharp. I mean, two former Raiders guys. I, I mean, you know, Jones-Smith, who got that random shout-out from uh, from Mike Mayock. Um, <laughs> he must have passed him by, like, by, the, by the, the lunchroom in the hallway before his press conference. Yeah, I just mentioned him to us, and we're like, wow, it's a you know, huge scoop. This guy's going to play. That's just funny. But, uh, well, those guys are, you know, those guys are going to help. I mean, I think Illinois is probably better both those guys. So, I mean, uh, like Ted said once a while back, you know, tackles, there aren't a lot of good ones. So, if you're a backup tackle in this league, definitely it's, it's tough. And you got to, you know, it's not a, the bar is not super high. All right, question here from Asher M. This one's for Ted. Uh, why did the Raiders have more success rushing late in the game versus Pittsburgh when they were more likely to know a run was coming? Did Gruden change up the running blocking strategy? Was it just better execution against a depleted defensive line? Yeah, the, the line was depleted. Obviously, there were some major injuries um, in, in that game. And also, I just think that, you know, you get tired after a while. They had to pass rush Derek Carr pretty hard for the entire game. And in the fourth quarter, those... Um, those pass rush attempts just start, you know, wearing on you. So they, you get a little tired at the end of the game and injuries happen. And I think that's going to be kind of the formula moving forward is, um, you know, just be patient with sprinkle here, a few runs here and there. But if you get that pass rush tired in the fourth quarter, you'll be able to start to get some movement. All right. Question. A couple of quick hitting questions here before we get to predictions uh, from Teddy L. The Raiders have had an AFC defensive player of the week and an AFC special teams player of the week. Who is the top candidate this week for AFC Offensive Player of the Week to complete the hat trick? And if you're not picking the NFL's leading passer, uh, I don't know who you're going with. I mean, I guess Darren Waller, maybe, but I mean, Derek Carr, right? I mean, he's the, he's the NFL's leading passer. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, this week, going against the top, you know, tough secondary, I think if he played well, then uh, he'd get some, get some love. But yeah, Carr seems to be the obvious guy to pick. Yeah, he's got to get some more touchdowns in there. I mean, he's. He's got the yards. So you could give him a, a three or four touchdown day. Maybe he'll he'll complete the hat trick. X factor answer for this it could be Henry Ruggs. I mean, he, you know, the Dolphins play a ton of man coverage, cover zero, no safety looks, but he really struggled against Xavier Howard last year. So, but if if he's improved enough to get past Xavier Howard for a few big plays and you know put together a big stat line, because if he does get catches in the secondary, it could end up being explosive plays. So, you know, I would say, you know, maybe that's the next factor if he's improved that much. What about Daniel Carlson uh, having the big game but uh, but killing his fantasy team? Oh, we're talking we're fantasy talking. this week. Oh, he shut down. We're, shut down we're, we're, we can, talk, we can yeah. talk Carlson's fantasy team. Hey, he's on, he's my fantasy kicker, so I'm, I'm with him there. Yeah, I appreciate his efforts. Well, that explains all the cheering in the press box. I don't know what was going on, <laughs> but not, not all makes sense. So, <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah, John, settle for some more field goals. Every time they got stopped in a red zone, Deshaun was <laughs> exactly. cheering inside. 
Kashan, <laughs> then why are you calling for Derek Carr to get more touchdowns? You don't want the touchdowns. Uh, that's, that's true. That's true. Got me See, there. He, he cares more about Raider Nation than his, uh, his fantasy team. He's a selfless man. <laughs> All right, last one here from Antonio B. How many wins in the first half of the season would the Raiders need to bank for y'all to feel close to 100% certain that they will make the playoffs? Um, so how many first half wins? See, this is a trap. This is a trap because last year wasn't it? It was three year. It was three wins in a row, and they were like, "Are you confident they're making the playoffs?" Like, yeah, if they get three, we're in there, and they did it, and then they they shit the bed down a streak. So I'm not. I'm not falling I'm, for the trap. I'm saying nine, and nine and zero. Oh. Get to <laughs> nine and zero, oh and I'll feel confident. Yeah, yeah, nine. Nine and zero. Oh, I guess you feel pretty good at nine and zero. Oh. With the way this team collapsed, they go seven and zero oh through the bottom. They were six and three last year. They were right, six and three. I say six and three again because the defense is obviously better this year. I think definitely the players uh, are shown to have more faith in Gus's system and they're flying around a little more. So I say they get the six wins. The defense should be able to get them home. I'd say so. Say I'll, I'll go six. I'm going nine. <laughs> maybe eight. Maybe eight and one. Yeah, I'll do seven and zero through the bye. They have I think seven games before their bye week and week eight. So if they if they start off seven and zero, these are all pretty. <laughs> We're really talking games. seven and zero. This is crazy, right? Hey. Hey, if they, they can do it. I mean, these are all winnable games. If they go 7-0, and I'll, I'll mark it. I'll stamp it and say the Raiders are making the playoffs. Uh, I'm going to say 8-1. and one. I'm going to just go above 7-8-1, uh, above and, and I'll feel good. As long as they don't have, you know, that 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 kind of Steelers type 11-0 and where they just start collapsing and, like, you don't even feel good about the type of season they had. Uh, you don't want, don't want that. Uh, all right. Prediction time. We all predict, predicted the Raiders to lose last week. Um, well, Tashawn, Tashawn, kind of, kind of, sort of. I mean, yeah, you. I got the experts. Pick. Yeah, and you, and on the podcast, you did stick with you. We we kind of forced you into sticking with the Raiders win, so you get partial credit there in the official prediction post that we put up uh, every Friday. You will be listed with an zero two record because that's that's what the the. That's what your altered pick was. Uh, that was your pick made with the most information. Um, but uh, but now you have, you know, you go into this game, you know that it's not going to be Tua for the Dolphins. We don't know that it's not going to be Josh Jacobs, but I think as we sit here Thursday morning, we assume no Josh Jacobs. We'll let you lead it off to Sean. What do you got? Yeah, I'm going with the Raiders, and I'm, I'm not changing it this time. Um, you know, I think they, they just, I feel like this is a game they should win by two scores. I'm, I think I'm going to go 28, Raiders 28, Dolphins 16. The Dolphins, between having a backup quarterback out there and their offensive line just being abysmal, like I, I just feel like this is a game where they're, they're and it's, it's not, it feels really weird to say it, but I feel like the Raiders' defense should be pretty dominant in this one. You know, it's, it's set up to be that way, and I mean, the offense has shown, you know, whether the running game is going or not, they're going to you know move the ball and put up points, and you know, I, I think you know, especially if the defense is able to force you know some more turnovers this week, you know, maybe they can have some shorter fields to work with, and so. Um, I feel like this is a game that the Raiders should win relatively comfortably. It's got to be the first time the words Raiders defense and dominant were ever used in this history of this podcast. But uh, but I get it. I mean, I, I feel the same way. I think, um, I think the first two weeks I picked the Raiders to cover the spread and lose. I'm going to go the other way this week. I'm going to pick them to win the game, but not cover the four-point spread. I think the Dolphins will be a little feisty. I think uh, the offense will have a little more trouble this week. So I'm going uh, Raiders 23, Dolphins 20. Is that a backdoor cover? Do they score lay? What, what do you? What do yeah, you yeah, it's backdoor cover. So I think uh, they got the ten point lead in the fourth quarter to give up the late touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be kind of be Raider fans will be uh, loving it. They'll be sweating. It. They'll be they'll be loving it. Yeah, I think it'll be a, a tight defensive game, and I, I would say twenty four sixteen. All right, I'm going to go 31-21 Raiders uh, double digit wins. We got three of us taking the double digit win. 
What's our history of all picking the Raiders to win? It can't be good. <laughs> or, I, Have we done that very often? I think though? last year we probably did down the stretch, right? Those, those three games that were all winnable. And yeah, we probably yeah, all the picked the Raiders to win those games. We probably picked them all against uh, the Falcons, too. I don't think any of us. Uh, yeah. probably. <laughs> so what you're telling everybody is that they're, no, we're not going to bring up those bad vibes. It's a trap game, that's what I'm saying. Everyone's right. It's a trap. What was Vic's line here? Uh, we've, it was uh, as much a trap as swimming in the deep ocean. That's, that's great writing. That's that's that's, genius. that's good stuff. Yeah. Also, that that calf has seen dolphins a lot of wars. Do, do, dolphins do swim in the deep ocean, right? Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's that's what you, that's where you're going for, right? That's where I was going with the whole thing. You got the whole. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, uh, Raiders are going to try to get to 3-0. and uh, Got another home game here at Allegiant Stadium. Should be a fun one. And we'll talk to you after the game on Sunday. All right, Joe. All right, later. Adios. That's a 39-year-old calf. That calf's been through a lot of wars, so I'm not sure you can really guess if he'll bounce back and be 100% again. <laughs> <laughs>